out of context quote of the, of the podcast. I yeah. love the way that her mouth makes sounds. <laughs> Captain Spot, Stardate 82, 5823.1. Welcome aboard the Starships Enterprise, and thank you for joining us as we take a brief shore leave from the world of cinema sins to explore the universe of Star Trek. I'm your Captain Ian, and with me as always, she kissed Riker and said, yuck, it's Ambassador Danae. But only because he had just had garlic. He wouldn't lot, actually like, say yuck. I, I kissed him again immediately. Yeah, he would be pushing you away. <laughs> because then I had garlic breath, it was yep. fine, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I I would kiss that man. I love so we have a, a friend named Jen, um, who hangs out with Ian and I whenever Ian's in town, mm-hmm. and she's also a Trekkie, which we didn't know mm, until she like drops some knowledge on us. She de- she de- oh, this was the you. friend when we were watching Deep, yeah. Deep Space Nine, and I started explaining the Dominion War to her, and then she started naming the species, and I was like, oh. You already know this, don't you? She's like, yeah, I've seen all these episodes. Yeah, she's she surprised. She God damn it! Was a was a a lurky, which is like a trekkie. A lurky. <laughs> oh, you've done it! You've created a thing. <laughs> a lurky. Not. This is a hidden trekkie. <laughs> this is a trek fan that is too shy. It's taken ninety-one episodes, but we've invented <laughs> a word that's going to spread. It's, a it's lurky. Not, it's not going to spread anyway. So we were chatting with her. She sent us uh, in our group chat some kind of a is it a costume for Halloween. Um, it. I mean, you call it a costume. I call it cosplay. Right, I, right, right. I would wear this all all, all around. It well, that's was, not cosplay then. That's clothing. That's just my co- yeah. No, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> it was a uniform, and it was the lower decks uniform, and yes. it was one of each color. So we would go as different from members. each division. Yeah. I I volley back with. A link to this seamstress on Etsy that makes a Deanna Troy dress. And An I exquisite. Said, the blue, the blue floaty long Deanna dress. It is beautiful. And then did like this thing. I would also have to get a wig. Like this would become yeah. an expense. Also, how am I going to find teal tights and teal shoes? Uh, there are no more shops that are like full blown <laughs> 80s. Oh, I you don't can find teal shoes. <laughs> I-, I am certain you can find that. So then it turned into, okay, we're not going to do lower decks. We're going to swivel over to TNG for whatever pretend halloween shenanigans we're gonna do because you're gonna be here for halloween this year hell yeah so then we talked about going to a convention because this is just expanding into our life now yeah this is how we as dream much as possible yeah. yeah and and i love that jen was like we will kiss all the rikers and i'm immediately <laughs> like yep and now you're yeah, saying you it yeah it'll happen i mean is that why, why you're talking you? about me kissing riker no, because it's chat? a line from the movie like oh, it's, it a, it's movie. a great line diana says that so Rewind, rewind, rewind. Everyone that listened last week, you may have heard us say that there will be a two-week break in the feed. There will not be. Hello, we lied. lied. Sorry. I think we even said at the end of the episode that may end up not happening. Um, We couldn't resist. We couldn't help ourselves. We couldn't leave you guys. We love you too much. So, you may or may not know that as we write for CinemaSins, we recently released an Everything Wrong with Star Trek Insurrection video, and Danae and I were the writers. So, we figured since it was fresh in our minds we would do the captain's pod treatment with star trek insurrection the third tng movie um which was your first tng movie correct that's right this is my first tng movie so i'm a little out of order but that's okay and yeah we're gonna do an entire episode just kind of dedicated to our thoughts on this movie 
if you have already seen the sins video, you might be able to see some of the sins that we're going to probably get to as well. But mm-hmm. it's a great kind of space for us to talk about what we loved about it more Absolutely. succinctly. So we're still going to do our 10 forward and an engineering chat. Um, 10 forward will be our general thoughts, feelings, the stuff we liked, and maybe some of like the the oddities about this movie. And an engineering will be kind of a behind the scenes look at the Sins video and the Sins and um, how we put the video together. And how yes, the sausage was made. How the sausage was made. How Riker's sausage was made. But before that, let's get to some of your emails. Emails. Okay, hailing frequencies open, everyone. It's time for us to read your emails from Discord, Twitter, and well, email. We have um. You good? Yeah, that's it. That's it. So we have first up. I believe they are Badgie the Com Badge on Twitter and in the live show. Twitch, yeah. Uh, Twitch, yeah. That's it. Now this is a really quick email and a really handy reminder. Ian, have you guys gone back and listened to the predictions from Strange New Worlds season one episode two and realised how many predictions you, Danae and Aaron, got right? <gasps> no, <What>? we didn't. <laughs> we didn't oh do that at God. all. God, why don't here? Here, why listen. Don't we, we need I am to the have worst showrunner. Not the, the worst. worst. Okay. <laughs> I'm up there. Not the worst. But this is where having a producer would be super yes. handy. Somebody who's mm-hmm. helping us to keep track because we jump we jump into the show so quickly. Um and then we don't really have a lot of downtime to do fun things like that, to like go back and listen or keep mm-hmm. keep record or notes. It would be nice if we did. And we just genuinely forget. So I think what I'll do is we're not going to do that this episode. Don't promise so anything. <laughs> don't do we'll, it. We'll do it at some point. I think we made. Well, we'll do it. We're we made like a little. Do it. We'll do the. We'll go through the predictions. Really, we'll find time to do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listeners. Uh, just you know, note that, and then I'd like you guys to send emails when that Please, doesn't happen consistently until we don't do it. That's amazing. Okay, thank you for that, Badgie. It is muchly appreciated. Yes, thank you, Badgie. But also feel free to tell us what they are and what we got right. Like, feel free to go through and be really descriptive so we don't have to do that research ourselves. <laughs> to be fair, he did list a couple. But oh. yeah, I need I need sentences. Well, I need what? all of it. Um, The fact that we predicted... I predicted Sulu was going to be a cameo at some point, but actually there was Scotty. Um, a ton of Gorn porn. Um and yeah, that was it. But I, I, I'm, I'm sure there'll be some. Other. If it's just those two, I mean, what's the point of doing predictions if we don't go back to it? It's the worst. I should never do predictions. So this is a comment on the YouTube's from Sadebeck or Sadebeck. Um, I'm just listening to uh, this episode, and the question came up: How would uh, how would someone enjoy the Lower Decks crossover episode if they haven't watched Lower Decks before? Um, so this is another. Uh, I love listener. you so much. I hope they never stop because I'm genuinely curious about that. It's amazing. This is another listener that has confirmed they had an incredibly fun time oh, so with the good. Strange New Worlds crossover episode. Um, not only do I agree with you guys about how well this is done, but it actually got me to watch Lower Decks, which I had actively avoided. And now I can't wait until season four. That is so Yay. freaking cool. That is exactly... like If you want to be really cynical... That's what the crossover episode it's about is about. It's about 
getting other people into different parts of the brand and into different parts of the franchise. Like, yeah, it's great fun, but it serves a purpose for Star Trek because it's a little snapshot into Lower Decks. Do you think that was the best episode of Strange New Worlds? For me, it was. Yeah, I, it's I the think only it was one I'm too. still thinking about yeah. wanting to rewatch. It was so it's, good. It's so good. It really good. was. Yeah. And my dad the is about... was fun too, though. No. The... <laughs> <laughs> My, my dad is about to start watching Strange New World season two. And I said, don't do the crossover without me. And that oh. tells me a lot. Like I, this is a great opportunity for me to watch it with him. And he knows that that's coming. So he has now started to watch Lower Decks and he loves Lower Decks as well now. Didn't like it to begin with, but now he likes it. Are you going to do the thing where when you sit down to watch the episode together, you're not watching the episode, you're watching your dad react to the episode? Oh, 100%. Because this is what I did last <laughs> season with the finale when they do that time travel thing back to an episode oh, of yes. the original series Which and the crossover. Which I had no clue about, yeah. Of course not. And I'm just watching him the whole time and he's like, oh, that makes so much sense. That's I was like, right? I know. Oh, like, that's cool. Oh, it's so great. That's, that's where Strange New World sings for me. So well done. Um, can I do can I do a comment in this little section that I yeah, was really happy it. to see today? Well, at the, at the time of this recording, um, on our Discord, which you guys can join anytime you want to by going to discord.gg slash cinemasins. Uh Got 007 Black Bishop of Death tagged um Ian, myself, and Aaron and said, I've just finished binging the entirety of the pod. And truly must say, I hate myself. For being this late to the game, but better late than never. That's impressive. I was just really, I was really pleased to know that this person went through our entire catalog. That's amazing. And is actually having a good time. Yay! I think that's 91 episodes. I think this that's is 92. This is episode 92, I think. But hey, send me an email next week and fact correct me. It's probably 107 or something and I've missed the 100th anniversary. But yes, welcome aboard. Thank you for the message. Did we miss we... the 100th anniversary? No, not at all. Not at all. There is a chance that the 100th episode might line up with 100,000 downloads as well, but I don't know if the universe is that kind. <laughs> <laughs> cool. We'll have more emails and messages next week, but please send them over to Twitter, uh, the Discord, as today said, and... CinemaSins, an email, which is cinemas, uh, captainspod at cinemasins.com. With that, let's head over to 10 Forward to talk some insurrection. Two to be mad. Welcome to 10 Forward, the part of the show where we grab a drink from the replicator and share our not-so-immediate thoughts and feelings on the movie that we watched a few weeks ago for sending purposes. Uh, most important question first. What would you like from the replicator? Oh, that's a really great question. Um, I'm going to say I would like to have organic juice that has been harvested by hand with mm -hmm. no machine involvement. So whether that's going to be apple or pear, just some kind of a juice. like a like So what you're asking me for is something not from the replicator then. Right. Because you want it made by hand. That's right. I want you to beam yeah. me to this planet. And then yeah. what I want is I want to have a drink from this planet specifically. Okay. Yeah. Today. We can arrange special that. Drink. Yeah. yeah. We can arrange that. Um, I would like a Klingon sing along, please. I just want the little ball bouncing across the, the British <gasps> tug is a sword. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Somebody that has a Star Trek themed cafe. Needs yes. to make boba tea that's called the Klingon sing-along because it has little balls oh, in it. That would be amazing. That would be, be beautiful. It would be perfect. 
Give us a synopsis, Danae. Oh, shit. <laughs> okay. This is really mean because it was a few weeks ago that we watched this. Ooh. All right. So in this episode of The Next Generation. Movie. Um, right. No, it's an episode of Next Generation. No, it it's is. It's just a little it bit is. long. Yeah, um, it's a long episode. Riker and Troy are flirtatious. Mm. They bathe together. Mm-hmm. Riker removes his beard. We add it back. And there's something going on with the planet. Now, I don't remember exactly. We'll get into it. But essentially, mm. there's a planet of people that have rejected technology and at some point rejected their own people who turned into uh, skin stretchers. And the skin stretchers <laughs> come back yep. wanting to annihilate slash relocate all of their her- heritage people mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. and for some reason starfleet's like sure yep because the resources here are sweet and picard's like I don't know. so he leaves the fish party and goes <laughs> to the planet to check it out because data has gone a crazy because he found Surprise. a secret must be monday and the secret is that they're going to relocate all these people with starfleet knowing about it Mm-hmm. But don't worry, Worf is here. That seems to be a surprise and important. I think it has something to do with Deep Space Nine, but I don't know for certain. <laughs> and then Picard gets really interested in a lady and kind of insults her a little bit as he goes, but she likes it. Time slows down. There's no Wesley to blame. And in the end, we murder a guy. <laughs> Yep. Did I get it right? I feel like I'm missing something important. <laughs> also, no, this is it. So what's interesting is that I was trying to like write, I was writing notes about like, what's the big plot points here? And after five points, I was done. So little happens in this movie. That was a great synopsis. That, that was basically everything. Other than like, they do the hike through Middle Earth to get to their destination. Um, That's, yeah, that, that that's that's the movie. It's a very long episode of TNG. I don't um, really know after this movie. Oh, oh my god, the biggest thing of all, Jordy can see because the planet reverses grow, grows him new eyeballs. It reverses everything that you don't like to have happening, diseases and and yeah. issues and blah blah blah, but only after you've come to the age of maturity because reasons. Correct. Not for teen, not for kids, not for teens and not for Captain Picard who has an artificial heart either. Didn't didn't replace didn't, his heart. Didn't replace that. No. No. But I do I do wonder, like, at the end of this movie, w- w- what it takes forward. Like, what, what happened in this that was super meaningful as a movie? And I think that's why I lean more towards this felt like an episode than something where mm. something major happened. Because really, I think the major things that happened is we get to see Riker and Troy be pretty handsy with each other. And we get to see Picard fall in love. And I don't, even the data stuff, I don't, I did, he, there was no major thing kind of at the end here that happened that was mm-hmm. like, oh, wow, everything changed in insurrection. Yeah, I, it's a really interesting point because part of me likes that this is just a Star Trek adventure with very little ties to the outside world. Other than this is where Deanna and Riker kind of finally will they won't they get together nothing is really carried forward so first contact is this big big thing it's this big kind of like paragraph in star trek and lots there's like a couple of other episodes that spin off and reference first contact nemesis the final tng movie obviously does 
some crazy things with data. But Insurrection just comes and goes. And it came and went at the box office and everybody was kind of bored and kind of didn't enjoy it. But there's a there's a bit of me that's like, I love that it's just an episode of TNG. I kind of like that. I, I mean, I understand probably because it's better than the worst case scenario, which is where it messes something up so severely that it takes away from the context of Nemesis. the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't Sure, Nemesis. I know you haven't seen Nemesis, but yeah, that's that's the, a great comparison. But so it's not like this is better, but at the same time, if I was going to go to the theater and pay money to go, but mm. you know what, as a Star Trek, as a person who's really coming to enjoy the franchise, I would do that to support the content. Does that make sense? Like, exactly. Because I want them to continue to create content mm-hmm. and how you ensure that that happens is by paying for the content, which for all of us who remember, used to be going to the movies. Yep. But this is the interesting thing about Star Trek movies in general, is that movies are supposed to have, I say supposed to, that's a very broad subject, Hollywood movies, blockbusters, summer releases, which is what Star Trek movies tend to be, are supposed to have this broad appeal to get bums in seats and to get the casual person to pop in, which is tricky considering you're basing it on a lot of TV episodes. Really, for me, they're a love letter to the fan. Like, this is, you've watched us on TV, now we have a bigger budget, bigger spectacle, bigger screen, and we can do bigger things. So, I I think that's why I end up really liking Insurrection, even though we send the heck out of it. Because it's an episode of Star Trek that they just had more money to do. It has a great space battle with the Enterprise and the Sonar ships. And for me, it was just awesome to see it on the big screen. And this was my first ever Star Trek movie to watch in the theatres. So I'm always going to have a little bit of bias. This was the first Star Trek movie I got to watch in the cinema with my dad. So I came out of it being like, that was the best movie I've ever seen. And my dad was like, I didn't enjoy that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so very, very different experiences. But overall, before we get deep into like the weeds of it, what is your overall feeling just coming out of it as a as a movie watcher, Star Trek fan? How did the movie hit you? Did you have a good time with it? Did you enjoy it? Or did you just get bored? You know, I, I'm used to modern day content lengths where an, one episode of a show is like an hour and a half, to, like an hour long. It can be now, yeah. And that's pretty normal for a confident show to just elongate their content and do you know more stuff with it so whatever the story needs rather than hey you've got an hour time slot to fill yeah and then watching tng episodes with you uh during the experiment of this podcast uh, like reminded me how much can happen in a shorter period of time that's meaningful but then Mm -hmm. also sometimes i'm like oh it's over that was that was really fast so for me i enjoyed it because as you guys know tng is my star trek that uh, that I fell in love with. Um, I didn't go beyond TNG and become a Trekkie, but this was the show that I really liked. So these are characters that I love and it was very familiar. Became a lurky. <laughs> I'm a lurky. Um, and so to me, it was like, oh, this is the right length episode of one of my favorite sci-fi yeah. shows that I get to watch for the first time now, all these years later and go, oh, that feels about right, you know? So I liked it. I had a good time with it. I think I was waiting for something super major to (laughs) To happen happen. because (laughs) I'm used to like twists and shocking things, but I would much rather have it be a solid episode 
than something that really bombs. And maybe this is a big bomb for a lot of people, but um, I got to see Picard be flirty, which I'm not used to seeing. He, his character that I remember from watching TNG, he wasn't the, you know, super horny captain that I've heard other captains are like. Yeah. Um, he's the more stoic, sort of respectful. I think he does have some love interest, but it didn't feel like it was a bunch. Like Hot Boy was Riker. So I don't, I'm not used to seeing Captain like be really yeah. interested in a female. Very rare did that happen. What is that? What is her name? I need to pull up the names of the characters. Anish. Anish. I was enamored with this character. There was something she about is, her. You know, and I think I know what it is. And I want to say this as delicately as possible. This is in the 90s and she is an older woman. And by older woman, I mean not 22. <laughs> like, I think she was in her... I think the actor was in her 40s when... Um, for this role and she's the lead fe female love interest protagonist and i think that's something in the 90s that didn't happen too much now you're always mm. going to pull out examples i'm not saying it never happened but it's certainly not the norm and for me that's really captivating like this is a confident woman who is kind of in her power knows exactly what she's doing with her life and yeah for me i'm exactly the same. i was enamored by this character much more than just a love interest. I kind of get stuck on sounds. I've always been somebody who mimics sounds or mm. so the people's cadence of speaking or how they communicate, things like that. I, I kind of hone in on that just naturally. I love the way that her, this is going to sound so fucking weird and I'm going to be quoted on this <laughs> in an awkward way. Out of context quote of the, of the podcast. I yeah. love the way that her mouth makes sounds. <laughs> She has these I know what just you these pillowy lips and then like uh -huh. the teeth, but the way that she communicates and the way that she speaks, it's so clear. And I love Softly the tenor of her well. voice. Yes. And she's a character that's like, oh, these are like Amish people-ish sort of thing. But then it turns into, no, we are really highly in uh, intelligent species that's chosen not to have an interaction with technology. And so then she turns into this intellectual person too which i love mm -hmm. and yeah she's beautiful and like you said she's kind of got that more wisdom look to her and she's paired well with picard i thought that they made like a really interesting pair and i could the connection between the two of them made sense to me so i think that's one of the reasons i like that i of course love to see Riker and troy together because it was always a will they won't they whenever i watched tng well that was my next big question is you you love Deanna and Riker. That's a relationship you really enjoy. And I'm right there with you as well. Was it cool to finally... Like, I wish I'd been there when you were watching it, but we couldn't <laughs> get the schedules to line up. Did you love it when they finally kind of hooked up and you're like, oh, it's so cute. Oh, I loved it. A bath together. I yes. knew you would enjoy that. Well, and they have a playfulness because they have yes. a history. And then I could just sort of see how much fun they were having. Like, when yeah. Troy kicks him out of the office and says, ooh, gross, that was... <laughs> To me, pretty fucking funny. Um, it's perfect. Because it's very childlike. And yeah. they've been together for a really long time. And they've had sort of an on again, off again. And their relationship as I... It reminds me of when I read Lord of the Rings for the first time. And Aragorn mm. and Arwen were the characters that yes. I was like, well, what are these guys yes. about? And then the book ends. And I'm thinking, well, what the fuck happens to Arwen? And then I went to the Silmarillion and read her story. And it was tragic and horrible and awful. And I was like, God damn, this is this is dark. <laughs> But I went, I went on a deep dive because I really like those characters. Same thing with Deanna and Riker, except for that part of it's still like 
yet to be written. So seeing them again in Picard, for example, it's like, oh, look, their story is still going and it's not written. It's not done. We're still sort of playing around with these with these characters. Mm. But I will go and read things. And sometimes I don't know if I'm reading fan fiction or a blog that doesn't make sense. So it requires a lot of um Qualify, like I have to qualify what I'm what I'm reading about. So the best thing I can trust is the content that I watch that the franchise yeah. has put out, and this is one of them. So it's like, oh, this is canon. They really did take a bath together, and she really did shave off his beard. I can count on that being true. And for some reason, <laughs> that was fun. I'm glad it didn't take up too it much is. time in the episode, and yeah. I didn't feel like Picard took up too much time either. I mean, the man coming to save the day is not something I'm. I didn't. Ex- I I understand why it's there. It was a very kind of normal yeah. you know story to kind of see but i i don't know there's some there's some things about it that i'm like oh you know that's baseline um mm-hmm. but i like i like tng so of course i'm gonna like this this was right up my alley yeah it's it just felt right it didn't feel contrived it didn't feel like the end to a it didn't feel like a disappointing end to a will they won't they for me like because you kind of have the, the the planet for anyone that hasn't seen the movie the planet that they're orbiting has this anti-aging radiation that heals all wounds and at a certain point stops the aging process. And it kind of awakens a youthful energy in you. And this inspires Riker and Deanna to pursue things more than they had done in I the past. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's entirely true either. I think there's like a kernel of truth. But I don't think they needed much of an excuse. That was one of my biggest sins at the end for me was there's this insinuation that the relationship kind of restarted because of this planet. But I didn't I guess I didn't get that it was being in proximity in space gave them some sort of a boost. I thought you Mm -hmm. had to go to the planet to get the boost. Um, so maybe if I sort of rewatch it with that in mind, that just being in orbit influenced them. Yeah. I think that that's what the movie was trying to say, but I I missed that, and it really frustrated me because I was like, "No, you might be right actually," because they don't explicitly they don't say, the, but they don't go that to the you planet. have to be in orbit. It, I mean, they don't spell it out, so you would assume that you'd have to go to the planet. And Riker never does. Deanna does, but it's only after they've hooked up. So yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, so that that to me was a, was a strange one. I think that they hooked up because they wanted to, and and then maybe maybe it was the intention of it. I don't know. It's kind of. Some of the, some of those things are kind of lost, but um, but yeah, overall, I, I really did have a good time. What about what? So you watched it. You had a good time when you watched it when you were a kid, obviously. Yeah. What about watching it for our jobs, where we're kind of expected to nitpick? Oh, I can't be impartial. I still watch this movie every year. Um, I, what? Yeah, Insurrection and First Contact are the two TNG movies that I go back to the most. I enjoy the pants off of this movie so much now going back to sin it was really really fun but i still had like a love for it i get why people don't like it but this what the really fun thing is that i ended up going back and doing a load of research and this was written by michael pillar who is he's sadly not with us anymore um but he's one of the all-time great trek writers he had lots to do with tng deep space nine voyager and was just a genuinely amazing human being by all accounts. Um, they brought him back to write um, Insurrection with the deliberate me- mission of don't try and be bigger and better than First Contact. Because First Contact was this big war with the Borg, all-out blockbuster, huge critical success, foundational to a lot of what we know about Star Trek lore in the 24th century. So they deliberately said, don't try and beat that, just 
do do a Star Trek story. Just give people a fun Star Trek story to watch. Turns out the box office probably did want a bigger adventure. But I'm right there kind of with that vision of make a little Star Trek adventure. Now, originally he wanted the Romulans to be involved as the big bads. Um, but the overall priority for the story was to give Picard a conflict with Starfleet. And it's tricky to have Starfleet working with the Romulans at this point because there's no context. They're just butting heads all the way through Star Trek. And now suddenly you're going to make them allies without mm. making a movie about that. So that's why he had to create the Sona to, um, to kind of be the antagonist and then Admiral Dowerty. Um, to be the Starfleet evil admiral. So, yeah, I'm. there is so much about Insurrection that I agree with, and I think it's pretty ballsy to make a movie this calm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just a slower-paced, kind of like it's a long episode of TNG, and I'm, yeah. I'm fine with it. So if you kind of go in, if you haven't seen this movie, and you're going to watch it, and you go in with that expectation, it's like, oh, I'm going to watch an extended episode of TNG, and that then you're going to have fun. But if you go in thinking something you know movie cinematic epic is going to happen there are some fight scenes and like you said there's like a a battle um you know we we do get to see some action yeah this movie is why i fell in love with the enterprise e as my favorite ship now it's actually also my biggest downfall of the movie as well because they so there's a company called industrial lights and magic and they basically do all of the special effects for most sci-fi movies or a lot of them and it was they were made by george lucas for star wars and star trek generally uses them as well there's two movies to my knowledge that didn't use industrial lights and magic because of scheduling conflicts star trek 5 the final frontier which is notorious for being a bit shit and insurrection and you can kind of tell especially with the lighting on the enterprise e that it doesn't look quite right and some of it just looks a little bit it's actually over lit especially for being in a nebula however in the same breath the space battle against the sonar with the the isolytic weapon that they use ejecting the warp core to blow it up that's one of my favorite space battles in all of Star Trek. It's really, really fun. It's very popcorn-y. It's Riker in charge. We're through running from these bastards. Just, he has some epic, like, kind of Bruce Willis diehard kind of lines that he delivers that's just so, so fun for me. I just, I love that part of the movie. I thought that the, I thought that the exterior shots of the stuff, well, to me, I didn't notice it, but then I'm not, you know, quite as honed in on that as mm. you. Um, because, like there's a shot at the uh, towards the end where the Enterprise is flying over. So in in this movie, there's a a space station thing that's been put in orbit of the planet that's going to somehow absorb the power of this planet, and then it zaps mm -hmm. the planet yep. so anyone living on it no longer has access. And then I think the idea is that out of X amount of years, it'll regenerate that property again somehow. But that's kind of escaping me. But anyway, there's this big kind of like solar panels that come up and it's going to suck mm. all of the life out of the planet. And the Enterprise comes in as it's blowing up and it flies oh. over the... When it's rescuing Picard? Yeah, they're, they're doing a Picard rescue. P Picard goes into the station to set the, uh, the countdown for the destruction. And here comes the Enterprise and it zooms over the exploding um, station. And it just... I, to me, it looks really cool. That's I, beautiful. Yeah, that's really, really cool. That's where the money went. It's such a great <laughs> money shot of the Enterprise 
swooping in to save the day. There's no need for the Enterprise to get that close. That's not how transporters work. But it doesn't matter. But <laughs> it still looks really fucking badass. Yeah. So they're playing around and they're having fun. And I, I really enjoyed the, you know, the special effects and stuff. And it's also, you know, for me, it's fun to look at the the tech. A lot has changed about the tech that we get to see in the more like, you know, modern shows and how they're using things. But they're the way that they're talking to each other, they're, 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 tr- they're trans quarter quarters what are they called tricorders tricorders uh-huh. and just the little the little chunky things that they're holding on to yes. that are this gun metal sort of yeah plastic the phaser rifles <laughs> and yeah. the the the, the rocket the Wars rocket launcher <laughs> yeah we have quite a few interesting sets in this movie too yeah. there's this set that is this community that sort of like looks like this utopic um aliens the humalians, yes, the utopic humalian space where everyone's wearing muted color tones and learning how to, you know, perfect the art of quilting. Yes, uh, and tapestry. And tapestry and blacksmithing and all this stuff. Um, so there's that set. Then we've got like the Enterprise, where of course we love. Um, we've mm-hmm. also got the, what is it, Sona? The, the, bad, yeah. the bad guys. Mm-hmm. We've got their ship and their kind of tech. And that's pretty much where we spend most of our time yeah. during the entire movie. Uh, but I didn't find myself getting bored for too long because they explore the different pl- uh, areas of the planet. So we're not just in the city all the time. We go out into the wilderness and we have we have a scene out on water and kind of a couple of unique things. Like we were introduced to the idea of a ship that's an entire holodeck. Uh, which was interesting. Yeah, that's so. pretty cool, isn't it? Like, I'm amazed that isn't used. I, I guess it is somewhere, but used as like a pleasure resort. Like, that's a freaking huge holodeck. Imagine like the adventures you could have on there. I guess we do. We do see a couple shuttles. We have a shuttle flight kind of scenario, yes. which is something I'd never. I don't remember like seeing that. And I think the exterior shots of those looks look really nice. I mean, when when I saw data pull up side by side with picard and like look out the window as if they're cruising down the street and they're going to roll on their window to have like music play and they're literally listening to music i thought that was so funny (laughs) i think that entire scene for me is such a great exciting pacey opener to the movie but also hilarious it was so funny to me i quote this to like to this day if like there's a song on the radio and my dad's singing along to it or my mum is singing along and i'm not They'll turn to me and say, sing, Wolf, sing. And I'm like, oh, shake really? my head. It's That's so adorable. Great. It's so adorable. Wolf just like shakes his head in fear. He's like, well, I'm not doing that. No. <laughs> so we have like, we have, we get to kind of like go around the planet. We go into a cave system. So when I, when, when we say this is like a movie budget, we just get to explore more places for the story to unfold. And really the, the story that's unfolding is a story of a, an, an alien species that lives on this specialty planet that is desired by other people. They're going to relocate them without their knowledge and without their permission through this holodeck ship. Um, and then the twist is that the the skin stretcher people, the so- Sona, mm-hmm. the Sona yeah. are actually this group's children that were excommunicated from their colony and they just have been aging instead of not aging. Um, I think the one thing I wish the movie would have done a little differently, because it does get a little dark with a skin stretching. It's kind of like a little horror creepy. Yeah, it's a and, little like 
gory, isn't it? Like yeah. body horror stuff. The bo- there's a little bit of body. It's not too much. Uh, there's a little bit of body horror in this one. Um, but I think the the idea that they're giving is that their bodies are sort of toxic and dying and that they're trying to figure out how to prolong their death by stretching yeah. their skin, removing toxins, changing out their teeth, these sort of weird things they're doing. Um, but they don't really go into too much detail about how that works. And maybe they shouldn't because I, we can make the assumptions of what's going on, obviously. Yeah. But is that how you interpreted that too? Yeah, so I have the benefit of having watched this movie more times than I can literally remember. I can't tell you how many times I've seen it. And the way that it's kind of cemented in my head now, and I don't think the movie does a great, great job of explaining this, is that the Sonar are trying to find a way to prolong their lives using technology. And the kicker is that the people that they've left, the Baku, because the, the Sonar have left because they want to explore the universe and they don't want to be stuck on this one planet. They're searching for this thing that the, the Baku have just by existing on this planet. So the Sonar have now reached the limit of what they can do through technology to extend their own lives. Because they're 300 years old. The Baku that we see landed on this planet 300 years ago, which means that the Sonar, I think it's 300 years. Yeah, they landed 300 years ago, but then the Sonar left 100 years ago. So the Sonar that we see are at least 100 years old and are trying to counteract this aging thing. And I've realized we can't do it. The only way we've seen this happen is on the Baku planet. So we're going to go back and we're going to steal whatever it is, that, the, the the radiation that makes it possible. We're going to steal it and use it. They have so yeah, like, that's the crux of it. They have assistants that wear very tight clothing who administer their drugs and pull mm-hmm. out. So like, But we don't have any idea going into this movie as a standalone who those people are, if they've enslaved another alien group, or if they're considered Sona, like there's just this sort of mystery about their culture, their their hunt for technology. It's a few lines of the movie that give you the context that you sort of need to understand what they're doing, and then the twist at the end. Well, there's a there's a you know the main bad guy, and then there's his assistant who has a little bit more of a heart. A little bit more mm, of, of a yeah. of an ethical guideline, a little bit more of a questionable, like, why are we doing this? And I thought it was really great because by the end, he's actually reunited with his mother oh. and they kind of have this opportunity have to, a little cuddle. to have a little cuddle. Like, hey, mom, it's me. I look like a garbage Shit. bag, but <laughs> a garbage bag stretched over all of the garbage of my life for the last yes. two, however long like, I am. Yeah. I've been through it. But it was kind of... but. Even that is just this quick, quick moment. And it's not part of me wants to explore that a little bit in the movie. But I think that's because storytelling has changed enough over the years that we now often see there being a little bit more exploration into the motivation of the quote unquote bad guys to give them more of a of a character to excuse the pun um yeah this movie would have seven endings if it came out today it would there would be so so much so this is probably who are are they i don't know but this is my number one probably biggest sin of the of the movie um but yeah, we we can absolutely talk about it now. They're, they're, they're doing this brief, Riker and Deanna are doing this briefing where they're researching the sonar so that Picard can go into the Briar Patch educated and knowing about who he's going to be talking to. the Briar Patch to. is the, the colony. This big nebula. The, the big oh. nebula that surrounds where the planet is. Oh, okay, so, okay, okay, okay. But I mean, the Briar Patch is really just a big plot device so that the Enterprise can't call for help. 
but that's that's what it is. So Diana and Riker are doing this research, and there is some text that appears on screen. And Riker and Diana give us a couple of lines from it, which is basically the sonar um, gave us um, helped produce um, this chemical that was needed for soldiers during the Dominion War. Um, I think they were producing the chemical. Anyway, they did something in the Dominion War that wasn't very, very nice. And they were, they're kind of thuggish and bullies. And they've conquered two other species. Now, the text on screen gives us way more information and interesting detail about that. But it's on screen for five frames. We don't get communicated to us half of the information that's on this pad. So then the idea is that the women or the, and I shouldn't assume their gender, but they look very woman-like. Yeah. That are administering the drugs is one of the races that they've... Exactly. Oh, there are two species that over. have been conquered. Okay, okay. And that's why they're dressed up and... I mean, dress how you want to dress, but my assumption is that the Sona are making them dress this way because it's pleasant to look at. And they do oh. refer to that quite specifically. They do? Well, yeah, because that Sona captain, um, Ruafu, um, Rafo, whoever it is, says to Admiral Dowerty, um, I don't know why you continue to refuse the pleasures that this joint venture offers to you. And he has his arm around one of these women while he's saying oh, that and is like looking yeah. directly into her eyes. Like, basically, you could touch this woman. To, to circle all the way back, no, the movie doesn't do a great explanation of explaining who the sonar are, what they're doing, why why they... And this is something I think you do need to do when you're introducing a race that we've never seen before. So you do some retconning by saying they had something to do with the Dominion War, which we all know about, but this is still a brand new alien to us and we don't get a huge introduction to them, to be honest. Something else I didn't quite know that they did a great job with that we can talk about too is Data's role and why the Enterprise gets involved. So the movie starts oh off with yeah. Data on the planet, part of this research group or whatever, and they're... Um, observing the Baku in secret. Um, and then uh, they're wearing like invisible gear and they're walking around with them and observing them, mm -hmm. but the Baku don't see them. Um, and then all of a sudden, Data goes rogue and blows their cover and reveals that the Baku are being observed by another entity, uh, Starfleet. And then when the Enterprise comes, um, they're trying to save data before he's going to be captured and destroyed by mm -hmm. the colonel that's already there ambassador who the admiral yeah. admiral the admiral who's our the starfleet starfleet admiral who Dowerty. is already there who gets face stretched to death later on yeah yeah um and so picard and Worf go get data and he has like a memory chip missing kind of a thing mm -hmm. and then they go with the planet and say, Data, just tell us what you can remember. And he kind of is like, I think it goes over here by the water. And then he rediscovers the hidden ship in the lake by walking under the water. We get the cool mm -hmm. scene where Brent just Spiner a few, is few loose ends to tie up. giving his all in an underwater adventure. and <laughs> Petting a fish on the head. <laughs> we don't deserve Brent Spiner. We just don't we deserve do him. We do not. Um, and so then the movie kind of takes off into the next direction of like, oh, what is going on in this mystery here? And why is Starfleet involved? And that's kind of the, the vibe of this episode movie is Starfleet's doing something shady and Picard's going to right the wrong. And so that's yeah. sort of this, I, I kind of like where that's going. But when I stopped and watched it again, I was really confused about data and what happened 
So did the movie say that Data discovered the secret and then the Sona attacked him and removed his data chip? What no, happened? Yeah, so he was, and the movie says this, that Data was um, following some children down by the lake. As and, androids do. As androids do, and picked up a reading that was this ship. He discovered the ship. The sonar got suspicious and found him as he found the ship and shot him. And when he got shot on the neck, it damaged these engrams the memory engrams, but it also kicked in this safety protocol that we've never heard of before. First time this is mentioned, and it basically puts Data into autopilot. And the last thought he has is, this holoship is wrong, I must expose it. And in his damaged state, gets interpreted to, I must expose Starfleet. And I've got to go back to the duck blind and expose them because that will expose the holoship. So he, Geordie's line is, all that he knows is right and wrong. And his mission is to expose the wrong that's being done. Okay. That's a big leap. <laughs> like, hey, Danae, you need to watch this movie 20 times. <laughs> my gosh. Okay. It becomes very clear once you've watched it 20 <laughs> times. <laughs> I mean, maybe so. Maybe so. But the thing is, this is the, this is the counter, a, a side effect of burying this mystery that you can't give away too many of the clues because you've got to have this mystery of why did Data react badly? What's Starfleet's mission? What's going on? Let's not have these reveals until we're ready for them in the movie. Because Data actually tells the Baku there's going to be more Starfleet coming, like be prepared. Yes, yeah. And so there's a there's a moment here where Data turns into the Baku savior. is like, I'm going to help you mm -hmm. guys keep doing your life because we're trying. But it didn't discovering a holodeck doesn't necessarily mean that you've discovered that starfleet is going to be relocating an entire group of people yeah, data that's, makes some leaps <laughs> that's a massive leap so you're right for me when i'm thinking about it i'm like well what else did he discover because i thought that he was going to be like involved in some conversations and then like no. gathering some information and then deciding okay now is my time to try to get out and get help but now you're saying that it was a random shot on the neck that happened to hit some important stuff and that just now that falls apart for me a little bit, but that's okay. I mean, that's what I'm just thinking now that I'm thinking more on it, I, I think it's not just that he found the hollow ship, I think he went inside the hollow ship. So I think he did the same yeah. thing and saw the, saw the saw the recreation of their saw of the recreation of the yeah. village, gets shot by a soldier in the village, and that's when he's like, There's only one reason that you're going to make a village, and it would be to transport the Baku away. Um, but the weird thing is, like, Data doesn't know. So all he would know is that they're, they're, they plan to move the Baku. He doesn't know about the radiation why? in the rings right. yet. He, he doesn't, doesn't know, know why. Well, and, and that's the thing is, <laughs> maybe they don't have to. I'm sure in movie writing, you got to yada yada. Uh, some, some, Especially in Star Trek. Um, and what a, it's, a, it's a fun way to start the movie. You know, Data's floating head, freaking out a whole yes. bunch of, you know, <laughs> people that don't know that they're there. It, it's a yeah. really nice, big kind of like, what the fuck moment? And then you've got Data going crazy and then you've got a Picard reining him back in and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. That's always, you know, kind of an interesting thing to me. But it really is. I, I don't, just like any there episode of this yeah. show, there's some stuff that they're going to do that I'm like, wait, what? Like like, like the protocol wait, you're talking about, we've never heard about before. Why are you putting it in such an exposed part of the neck? Like bury that shit. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know? Well, I think that kicks in as soon as he's under attack. But the thing is, we've just never seen it before. Yeah. So, and Picard, when Geordi mentions the failsafe, Picard is like, failsafe, question mark? I was like, he's, he what? You've known him for 15 years and this has never come up. Yeah. How do you not know that this is how your Android works? Oh, anyway, dear. that was another thing that for me was like totally a little it. bit questionable, but you sort of have to just put that on the side and then watch the movie to see if there's a reveal later on that comes back and helps to make it make sense. But the data thing never really came back and made it make sense. But um, I do remember the references to the explicitly. Uh, the other species that were with the Sona. Mm, Everything but- else kind of worked for me. I mean, even Riker taking over and he and Jordy getting to sort of like oh, eject a warp it. core and just do some crazy shit like that worked for me. That's classic TNG, like that back and forth between the bridge and engineering, it's, it's the captain textbook. and the chief engineer of, I need you to do this impossible thing. And Geordi's like, it's impossible. I can't do the thing. Riker's like, well, I'm going to need you to do the thing. And Geordi's like, okay, I did the thing. <laughs> I ejected the warp core. I just did. One of the most badass moments that I've ever seen in Star Trek is just Geordi spinning his chair along, ejecting the warp core. like, like he I did. just it was did. so good. Like the most dramatic yeah. and Jordy, you know, getting to see him I just through his it. his own eyes is really powerful. His yeah. eyes, Lavar Burton's beautiful big brown eyes. Yeah, it's great. So you can't talk about this movie without, for me, one of the best Picard speeches as well. This alone, I don't understand why this doesn't give the the movie more credit because for me it's up there with the line must be drawn here this far no further it's when he's with Doughty in his office and Doughty is like explaining away look it's 500 people it doesn't matter with the radiation therapy stuff we can cure billions of people and the federation needs this because they've just come out of this nasty war and it's just it's Picard doing exactly what Picard should do is speaking truth to power and saying no this is wrong doesn't matter how many people it is. And he gets to go into this philosophical debate of, okay, 500 people doesn't matter. Does 501 matter? Does 1,000 matter? Does a million matter? How many does it take, Admiral? Such a like calmly delivered and thought-out argument that builds to this crescendo. And I get why Picard then chucks his badge on the counter and yeah. says, fuck it, I'm going down to the planet and I'll save them. Like, it is the least contrived. Captain takes the mm. law into his own hands. And he tries to take it into his own hands through Starfleet, too. He's like, so there's other ways that we can have this biometric stuff. And the um, yeah. Admiral says, but there's something about this planet that makes it work, which is another yada yada. But anyway. Yeah, don't ask me to explain the science. Well, no, you... You wrote the story. <laughs> of course I want you to explain it. And Picard is like, well, then let my scientists take a look at it. There's got to be something between point A and point B. Now, we know that there is this bad sauna guy that's pushing to have all this done quickly, probably because he's nearing the end of his life and you know he has a personal agenda here. And the sauna are the only ones that can turn the technology into something useful. That's why Starfleet need them. So, yeah. so the 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 sauna can't survive long enough for their tech to be reused or something like that. There's like a there's a reason that we're on this timeline. And but even still, Picard before he puts his badge down tries to do the right thing, even through Starfleet standards and and take over. But yeah, you're right. That line was really really good because he's like, how many? Like how many people is it? This is five hundred, but. Where do you draw the line? Where do you draw the line? But it's a 
I, yeah, I watching, love that so much. Um, Patrick Stewart play this character as he's contemplating these major things to me has just always been really comforting because there's something about a character that even in the face of like really serious stuff, like, ah, oh, this one's going to get it right. And it just makes you feel good about life somehow, even though it's all pretend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like this is a hero that is unequivocally right and this is not to jump into talking about Nemesis. It's one of the downfalls of Nemesis is Picard kind of makes some really sketchy decisions in Nemesis. But in Insurrection, it's so, you're right, it's so comforting to know that he has the moral high ground and is going to fight for that and is completely, I don't think, it, yeah, it, it can help billions and billions of people, but that doesn't mean that you just relocate these people against their will, even if the the ends justify the means. So it's really fun to back him and to see him yeah. fight for the yeah. underdog. It was good. You're right. And him up against, um, I think his name, yeah, Anthony Zerb, who's Admiral Dowerty. I, I think he's an absolutely, there's a long line of evil admirals. I yeah. think he's one of my favourites because he's just done with this shit every single communication ends with dowerty out he's so tired and done and just is this great example mm -hmm. of old starfleet and this old starfleet trying to reinvent themselves and using sketchy means to stay relevant it's such a great metaphor for stuff that we see today as well this old white admiral that is trying to stay relevant and calm um and i just he does a great job opposite patrick Stewart. yeah i think He's everyone's a doing a really guy. good job in this one. i don't know i don't remember there being a character that i didn't really enjoy uh, uh, that took me out of the tng vibe so in the pantheon of star trek and tng would you revisit this in the future is this something that you think you're going to look back on fondly um how does it rank when you compare it to like your favorite tng episodes I think that if if we fast forward, uh, let's say a decade, and I'm still watching Star Trek, um, and I'm still working, you know, where my job is to review content and you know write for it and stuff, I don't know that I'm gonna remember that this is a movie. I think I'm gonna think this is an episode, and it's probably gonna be one of my favorites <laughs> because there's 100%. a lot of interesting. Yes, like, <laughs> there's there's weapons. There's yeah. you know. I don't know. It just—it's a nice slow pace. Riker and Deanna finally get together. It feels like a retirement yeah. episode. Like when Danae retires in two decades or however long it takes me to retire, I have no idea. Like, oh god, can I retire in two decades? That'd be fucking cool. Um, if if I retire someday and I'm just like, oh, I want to watch something that's just you know easy peasy, and this this is definitely you know part of it. Um, this is my Sunday <laughs> afternoon. Yeah, program. it has all the characters. Uh, I would, however, love to see more uh, Beverly and more Deanna. You know, that's something that uh -huh, in this particular movie, right. there's just not time for. Um, not just this one. And I loved those episodes that were more focused on the women. Because I happen to be one and I like to see myself represented yep. in content. Weird. So strange. Hell yeah. Why the hell not? There's plenty of admirals representing me. Um, and I think you could argue that the, I think the strongest argument against um, so Donna Murphy is the actor that plays um, Anish. And a lot of people are like, wouldn't it have been nice to see Picard and Beverly in this kind of role? 
But when you've got an episode that has Deanna and <laughs> a movie that has Deanna and Riker, I can see why they didn't do the Beverly and Picard hookup thing as well. But annoyingly, Beverly just gets freaking sidelined all I, of the time. I think I can see show. why just... Picard would be interested, and I don't want to spend too much time talking about this, but you know, this new love interest person lives a simple lifestyle. He comes from a vineyard. Like there's just some similarities to, I think what he can, he can appreciate. And Beverly is a career woman and you know, there's some, I think conflict of interest there. I think there's like a, an attraction and an appreciation and respect, but mm -hmm. I was never like hoping that Picard and Beverly would hook up forever. But oh, but maybe man, I but was. maybe I'm missing some episodes where there was that potential. I did like the Deanna and Beverly oh, sure. moment yeah. where they were realizing that their breasts were getting firmer because they were on the planet, <laughs> and Data is standing there. <laughs> Not that we care about such yeah, things and Data's in this day and age. Standing there, like absorbing that information, and then he repeats it to I think Worf. Yeah. A beat later. <laughs> to Worf. Yep. Yeah. He's like, oh Wolf god. Down. You know. Just like <laughs> but I always took that as Wolf is looking at his breasts. Are they? Like, Maybe are I am they? farming. Yes. I don't know. Um, but th there were some fun beats that were with the with the women characters that I enjoyed, and we did get to see them shoot some yeah. weaponry. We, you know, they were they were part of the action. Yeah. Yes, they were in the so. action. I don't know why Beverly is on the planet, but having said that, I'm glad she's in the movie. Like she should be on the Enterprise, but still, anyway. Well, Beverly is the one that solves the uh, the DNA similarities. Uh, her tricorder does. <laughs> wow. <laughs> amazing. Well, with that, Not let's head amazing. over to... She looked at the tricorder data and put it together. It had a printout that said, hey, this is a Baku. So you want to see more Beverly, but you also want to discount that she's doing a great job. No, I want her to do a great job. <laughs> she did do a great job. She read You're going to get read for filth. I hope everyone comes for you. <laughs> Do it. Bring it on. I'll meet you in engineering. Well, let's head over there before Geordie ejects the warp core. Battle stations, everyone. Warning. Warp core collapse in 10 seconds. This is the part of the show where we re-engage our sin brains, remind ourselves that no TV show is without sin or movie, even our beloved Star Trek. And this is where we'll get into the sins video a little bit as well. I, I, do, I just want to air this out. Yes, we've seen it in the Sins video, but that joystick that comes up, the manual steering column that comes up in the bridge, it was one of my favorite things to see in the video because it just looks like a joystick, a gaming joystick from a PC in the it 90s. Is. It is. It stands yeah. out so much. Who thought that belongs in the 24th century? Like, Somebody that was like, what if we had a joystick just like when you're, dry, like when you're flying a jet? I want to know. So badass. I want to know the creative person behind that, and I want to talk to them. And I hope one day I get to meet them, and I get to ask, "Why did you do that?" I think it's because they thought that it was pretty advanced. He's steering the ship. Do you know how big this ship is? He's steering it with a steering column, and he has the weapons on there. I you know. Just made so many people on the bridge redundant. It's got the it's got the little pew pews going on. It's <laughs> amazing. Um, do you want to talk about the beard? Mm, okay, so this is probably with confidence one of, if not the most giddy moments <laughs> that I've had at this job. It's amazing since I started working with Cinema Sins. Um, 
we we've done some funny shit don't get me wrong we've done some epic shit like everything everywhere all at once for example like we've taken yeah, some really big video. swings yeah but for some reason this one really got me and so if if you are listening to this podcast and you have no idea what we're talking about do you want to kind of set it up ian yeah so this has been my number one sin from insurrection for all time was that i love Riker with a beard and it freaked me the fuck out when he shaved himself it's for me, it genuinely is very distracting because I feel like I'm looking at a different actor. Like everyone looks very different when you suddenly take their beard away. So I always wondered what the movie would be like if he never shaved. So we did it. <laughs> so we, I we just kind of, it was going to be a throwaway joke where we just drew the beard back on and the narrator is relieved. And I just left a little note just like, I wonder what would happen if we kept the beard throughout the rest of the video. Would that in and of itself be too distracting? So we went for it because we can always remove it later. And it ended up being really funny, specifically because our one of our editors, Aaron, had not Aaron, Commodore Aaron, this is a different Aaron, he decided to put on a different beard for every following scene where Riker appears. So sometimes you have this twirly moustache, sometimes you have sideburns, and we didn't ask for that. It's just part of the, just a great creative choice that ended up cracking our shit up and it did take quite a lot of effort i was really pleased to see in the comments of the video that people were recognizing like shout out to the editor that did this because that <laughs> is painstaking it's frame work. by frame but to know that so when i watched this obviously before anybody else we're like we're putting it all together and i well the first time that i watched this video i laughed so hard i was genuinely in pain i had tears in my <laughs> eyes i had to pause the video and then it started and it was a different beard and I started laughing again. And then it came back and it was different. And I just, it gut punch laughter. I knew something was going to happen, but I didn't know if we were going to just take a simple, a PNG? little, like a, a little PN, yeah, a little PNG yeah. image, a little uh, like icon and just slap it on there like a sticker so that it obviously looks done on purpose to be stupid, but to, actually hand draw it and then reframe it frame by frame to where it kind of goes along with his face and for it to be like not perfect on per on purpose but still committed it just made the rest of the video so funny to me i was it's really the more impressed. cartoony it is the better like if we'd have tried to do anything realistic it wouldn't have worked it wouldn't have worked and to know that i, that I loved so it goofy. so much but to see the fans taking the time to comment on the video that it hit them that funny too I love it. It's so it's so fun. Um, speaking of like something else that was really popular in the comments, um, is your spaceballs outtake? Now, oh, understandably, yay! a lot of people get to the end of the video and move on to the next thing. We do this little <laughs> outtakes package afterwards, which is stuff that in moments in the movie that inspire us to think of other movies as well. And sometimes it'll just be characters talking to each other, but as actor actors that have played. The same actor, but a different character from a different movie, or just stuff that lines up really well. Your Spaceballs one is so freaking funny, and it just <laughs> lines up so well. Yeah, it worked out really well, and that's once again, like, we have the idea, and then our partnership with the editing team is just fantastic, and, and Aaron, and it just was great. Because you've probably seen the, the video, I don't want to go through and talk about it all tit for tat, but just in the interest of hitting some of the ones that I really wanted to make sure I talk about here on this show... I was a little bit perturbed at how they portrayed Picard at the beginning when he's fumbling over the pronunci pronunciation of some words. 
You chin che four. Emphasis on the chin and the four. And I I think it's purposeful because, you know, we want to kind of like bring some humor and yeah. some lightness to seeing our crew in the whites doing the whole thing. Um, but I just did not believe for one second that Picard wouldn't have been fully prepared. I just don't believe it. So that one was, I'm know, glad that we said that. Yeah, he's not the uni student that's cramming at the last second. No, no. Huge positive that I forgot to mention is the uniforms. The dress. This is the first appearance of the dress uniforms. Oh. It is one of my all-time favorite TNG uniforms. I have the Riker one with the grey down the middle. It's so freaking smart. And it's such like, usually the dress uniforms for Star Trek would just make it a skirt. So they kind of just extended the tunic or the top down to their knees. But this is like a completely different uniform entirely. It's so pretty. I love it too. I also, in in the same vein of like playing around with character flaws, they play around with Worf not showing up to work on time, which also seemed unbelievable to me. So I'm glad that we send that too. So that's apparently because he's being affected by the planet. And it's making him go through puberty again, which means he needs more sleep. So he slept through his alarm. But I do love the scene that you live in an alarm clock. Thank you. Because you do. You live inside of you a do. machine. This should not be possible. You, you should yeah. definitely have been waking up. Um, on, on the topic of Worf, this is a classic thing in TNG movies where he's not supposed to be on the ship. So when TNG goes off the air, um, uh, after, the f- after Generations, uh, Michael Dorn joins Deep Space Nine. So for every following TNG movie, you have to come up with a contrived way for why he's not on Deep Space Nine and is on the Enterprise to get the crew back together. Yeah. And this one, they kind of just gloss over it because Geordie cuts him off and like says, uh, with the news about Data. So Worf begins to explain but then gets talked over by Geordi. <laughs> That's clearly the writers being like, we don't actually want to explain this. Just be just be happy that Worf is here. Um, Another one that I liked that we did uh, that I thought maybe was my one of my top sins is your catch that the beaming away sparkles were the mm. wrong beaming away sparkles. <laughs> when did you notice that? Was that something you've seen for a long, long time and you finally got to nitpick? First time. This this time through watching it, because I watched it three times for this sinning, but it was on the very final watch through that he gets beamed across, and I'm like, wait a minute, he's, and I thought maybe they used the shuttle's transporter, but they didn't because Data's back on the planet. The only transporter they have is the sonar ship. There's no reason for those sparkles to be those so sparkles. Picard is on the sonar ship. And beams over to a location, and when he beams, it's the Enterprise beam, it's the Starfleet mm-hmm. beam, and not the Sona beam. And the only mm-hmm. reason that we know that they're different is because they've already established that earlier in the movie. So I thought that was super, super yeah. clever. We saw the Sona tagging thing beam up the Baku, so we know that their transporter frequency looks different. Because that was my other reasoning was, oh, maybe they just use the same frequency as Starfleet. But yeah, just uh, it's a fun little genuine nitpick. Where I'm like, yeah. it's the wrong sparkles. <laughs> I was proud of myself because I did kind of a wink and nod to red shirts in one of my sins. Um, yes. Because when the away team beams down at the beginning of the movie, but when they're not really sure about like all of the mystery, the mystery hasn't fully unveiled itself just yet. So they all kind of come down from the Enterprise to do the thing. 
Um, I cleverly point out that technically Picard is the only one that has red on. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, I do have one sin around um, that I wanted to talk about around Picard's behavior around Anij. And it's just this question that it was only on this time round that really stood out to me of why didn't you ever get married? And there's so much in that that is wrong. A, assuming this alien uh, race actually has a concept of marriage. Why are you asking a woman why she never got married as if it's expected? Like, there's nothing wrong with you. Why didn't you get married at some point? There is so much bias loaded into that that this time round with a sinning eyeball on it, it really felt extremely jarring that this was coming from Picard. Yeah, yeah. It was, you know, it's it's like, I, I think at the time the concept of a woman not marrying and being independent and stuff needed to be explained. And I think this is the writer's attempt to show that, that she's a strong, independent woman that doesn't need to be married. And they wanted to kind of point that out as a way to progress because they're not showing a subservient woman. So to them at the time, they've already progressed in their storytelling stylistics of not portraying a female the same way that they had been portrayed for generations and generations of entertainment. So it's a, it's better than it was, but it's still like, why even ask that question at all? I mean, you might as well be like, so why have you never gotten tattoos? It's just, yeah. it's, of course, it's a relational thing. Um, yeah. Why haven't you ever bound yourself to another person legally? <laughs> you know, oh, you're a- in great shape for the shape that you're in. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, another one that I love that you pointed out that I would have never seen was the uh, sin about Troy kissing Riker. And and then we actually play a bit of a different yeah. episode where she makes out with apparently like his doppelganger or something. Mm-hmm. His, um, his, I his identical twin. Yeah. yeah. So, so that was fun. I, I almost thought that using the twin might be cheating, but it's the same body. It's, the, it's exactly the same. And the other examples of her kissing, because... She has kissed Riker in the show, but they're always like, it's been a peck on the lips. Yeah. So it's not a full on kind of like. Make out with a beard. Snog. Yeah. A snog. A snog. It absolutely is with his transporter double though. There's no doubt about that. Um, I really love the sharp sharp object that pissed you off. Listen, I I attempted to make a butt plug joke. Um, It is questionably sexual. Um, Yeah. And I didn't want it to be so on the nose, but I also wanted to be like, I'm going to let people just do what they want with this one. I'll just question sharpness. And if someone's like, well, why is the sharpness matter? I'm just like, what is this thing? She wasn't holding it in the previous scene is now, was it a pencil? Was it a pen? Is it a, is is this some sort of a medical device? But whatever it is, they're like super, super flirty back and back and forth. (laughs) And, and then, uh, yeah. So anyway, I pointed that one out for silliness pure silliness i just have one last thing that i would like to to say about the sinning and that is that i I want to apologize because sometimes a a joke just hits you and you have to say it and you go from ha 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 to something that's very meaningful and hurtful and i apologize and data is describing to the little boy about how his legs will be the same length and they were the same length when he was brought online and the same length when he will be taken offline. And the sin is just, they will not, they will be vaporized. And that hit some of you in the comments. <laughs> because it's true. They will not be that length. They will be vaporized. Apologies, everyone. Yes, he dies. 
spoilers, this is what you get for killing off data. Mm-hmm. It is what you get for killing off data. How dare you? But then, of course, he comes back, right? Like, he comes right back. A, a few times, yeah. So, I guess just this is the first time that you've ever sinned Star Trek for cinema sins, correct? Other than on the pod. I don't remember, but I think so. Yeah, so just quick thoughts. How did it feel going into this thing that you have a great affinity for and uh, rediscovering to then have to go in and sin it as your job? It's the same as anything. It's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, when you create a entertainment product that you hope makes people happy or whatever... It's 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 terrifying because you want to give them something, but entertainment is so subjective. Like when I was a massage therapist, I had work I did, and how I know I did good work is when they came mm. back, and I built that practice myself. So I knew my clients liked my style, and they would come to me, and I didn't have to question it because I was doing my thing, and they came back to me. But sitting in stepping into the role of of a writer for a pre existing channel. And trying to match cadence and make sure that what I'm writing is still something that the audience enjoys. It is debilitating sometimes. And mm. it's not, I've talked about it before and I've actually gotten slack for it. Um, and I, I, then I was worried about sharing my actual opinion about just the terror of doing my job sometimes, but I was encouraged like to just be me. And so, yeah, it's, yeah. it's scary as fuck because I want everybody to have a good time and I want to do a good job. But there's such a subjectivity to it. So it's always, it's always, so then you add to that, not only that there's, there's CinemaSins fans to cater to and to write for and to keep in mind, but then there's also Star Trek fans. So when you're writing for yeah. a franchise, it just dials it up even more because it's you want to do a good job and you want to like point out stuff that is a sin according to our brand and according to our brains, but also do it in a way where you're having fun and it's not we're not hating on something you know Correct. um so it's it's a, it's a nuance that i've been working at trying to get better at for years and years now so i'm confident sometimes um and it's just i just go in and i write and i try not to think about it you know too much when i write content for something that i'm somewhat familiar with i get a little bit more confident because at least i know i can make a reference like the red shirt reference yes it's not it's tng and it's a different thing and I, I knew that when I wrote it, but I thought, oh, this is a way to sort of serve the fans and have some Absolutely. fun. Um, and it's still, it's like showing knowledge and an appreciation in an interesting way. Uh, and then lean into other things that I know that I can do well, like the dental horror sin, for example. Like yes. just pointing oh, out something goodness. that's like, God, I wish this wasn't here. That was a terrible transition. That it was, was a horrible. Great, no, no, no. It was a great transition, but it was also really terrible because I don't want to watch. I don't want to watch teeth stuff, you know. <laughs> no. No. But yeah, I, I would do it again in a heartbeat. Um, but I like that it was TNG because I'm familiar mm. with it. Uh, I'm right there with you. I My number one fear when it came to like joining CinemaSins was eventually sinning Star Trek. But also it was the thing I was looking forward to the most. Because the, the internet can be a, a somewhat toxic place. So I never want to fall into the bucket of criticizing Star Trek when I love what it's doing and being that danger of being misinterpreted. So. Slipping in those references is so important to know that we're we're fans. We know what we're talking about, but there's fun stuff. But we're that, writing like any movie. for a character. Exactly. Yeah. You don't want to go too soft, and you don't want to go, you know, too hard. Yeah, there's like a nice little exactly. rhythm to it. Um. Cool. Well, I hope you enjoyed that look into the world of 
kind of how we went about sinning um, Star Trek Insurrection. And hey, we ticked off another movie. So for, for reference, Diana, that was weird. Yes, that's me. For reference, Danae has now watched The Undiscovered Country and Insurrection. <laughs> they are the two Star Trek movies, the sixth original series movie and the third TNG movie. I am sorry we're doing this so out of order. I don't really care. I don't think it matters too much either. It's helpful it really because I have you as a guide and you know so much that if I have a question, you can kind of fill in the blanks. So I do my best. This was a surprise extra quote unquote extra episode for you. Next week, we genuinely are taking the week off. So there won't be an episode in your podcast feed. It'll give you a chance to catch up on the backlog of episodes that we have. And we will return with a live show on Friday the 8th of September for the season premiere of Lower Decks and the episode the podcast episode for that will be available the following Wednesday. You can join us for our live shows if you would like both on Twitch and on YouTube. On YouTube the podcasts are located at the CinemaSins Podcast Network YouTube channel or CSPN for short. Uh, If you want to see older episodes and watch what it was like to record that episode live you can click on the live tab and it'll have all of those archived there but when Mm -hmm. we go live you can actually watch live from that youtube channel um and join other people on youtube during the show though it is at some for some people a very awkward time of the day we totally get it no worries um but we're also on twitch uh twitch.tv slash cinemasins is where we go live on that platform as well you can watch old content on twitch but it actually yeets out i think two weeks after we go live yeah. so to catch our older content it's better to find all that on youtube amazing well until next time i'm captain ian and i have a gorge to go and take care of the fuck is a gorge it's a pimple is that Worf has the little pimple? Pi- yeah, that's the pimple. That's so good. <laughs> it's just like the Klingons never do anything small, do they? <laughs> he should have been punching the throat for that. Oh my god. Um, it is a gorge. And it's eject the warp core for me. Of course it is. Live long and potspa. Thanks for listening. Want to connect with the show? Our hailing frequencies are always open through captainspod at cinemasins.com. Like, comment, and subscribe on your podcast player of choice, and be sure to visit cinemasins.com. I need to stop beaming us to 10 forward. There is no need. It's such a waste of energy. But at the same time, wouldn't it also be fun to just be beamed everywhere? It really would. What would it you really say? Would. To, to walk slowly? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> to, <laughs> to the turbo lift. To the t- okay, okay, that's fine. Why is Worf so handsome? Right. Ugh. Everybody in the show is so handsome. Should we just rewatch Insurrection first? <laughs> the whole thing, all of it. The whole thing. I need to open up the thing and do the stuff. Oh no, I have to pee. That's fine. No, I'll, I'll I can hold it. That's not happening. I'm not actually going to hold it. But I'm going to log in first and say hello to Captain. Captain. Hello. <laughs> How's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. I have to pee really fucking bad, but I decided to say hello first before I pissed myself. You know, good, you know. good, good shout. That's I endorse that idea. You endorse pissing myself? I endorse you not pissing yourself and going <laughs> to the the um provided bathroom areas. El baño. Oh, is that Spanish? Yeah. El baño. Donde 
está el baño? Where is the bathroom? Behind you, por favor. Yeah, behind you is the same in Spanish as it is in English. I don't oh. know if you realize that. Okay. I'm I'm picking I'm trying to pick up Spanish. I'm on my twelfth day. I'm on a street. Mm-hmm. And um I'm in my third lesson and I'm doing okay. There's some stuff that they'll throw in in the lessons where you listen into conversations. Well, that's rude. You shouldn't eavesdrop. <laughs> right. Uh, and then suss out what's going on. You never know what the questions mm-hmm. are going to be. Those are my favorite because I feel like I've just been dropped into something and I'm I'm like really having I to can do use, it. Yeah. yeah, like brain power. Thankfully, a lot of them are at this point because I'm only 12 days in. Super easy. Like pick out the word for airport and it's it's like aeropuerto. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So I've used one of these before and kind of realized that this wasn't going to work unless I have a reason to speak this language every day. Like I can learn it and become familiar, but I will never, ever be fluent unless there is a day to day reason for me to speak this language. And I'm I'm not going to maintain that practice. That's how I've been so far in my life as well. Um, And it could be where I am in a few weeks. I don't know how long the streak is going to last because Mm. I don't have a goal. I'm not going somewhere where I need to learn Spanish. I am trying to break a habit of opening up my phone and doing something mindless. So I decided mm, to pick good, up something that's a good that was goal like, in and of itself. Okay, so I'm not. I have almost entirely stopped searching, like just going and, and watching shorts on various platforms. Mm-hmm, when yeah. I pick up my phone, if I'm bored, I go open up the app and I just start doing stuff. Yeah, and then I put it down. So it kind of like is a little. I'm seeing it more like a game that I'm playing with myself than a goal to accomplish. That's something. really smart. Yeah, I like that. At least it feels like your brain is learning something rather than just watching a stupid video. And I do have like a teeny bit of Spanish. Like I took Spanish in high school. I took Spanish in uh, middle school. When I was, I want to say eight, I sang on a Spanish album, but I didn't understand what I was singing. Well, actually, it's interesting because like uh, there's oh, no. words Somebody that are popping find up. That album. Find now, that album right now. It's going to be I'm rude. Like, oh, my God. I remember singing that song. I was talking about hands the whole time. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Were you talking about hands, touching hands, touching you? Remember <laughs> Caroline? Touching. <laughs> okay, you ready for me to ask you a couple of questions? Hit me. What kind of music is scary for balloons? Um, Donde esta la biblioteca? Pop music. Oh, I thought we were doing Spanish lessons. <laughs> no, I'm. I, um, I have a whole bunch of cheesy kid jokes that came in Where a did little you packet. Get, are they from Chick Fil A? No, they're not from Chick-fil-A. It sounds like a Chick-fil-A thing. How can you tell a vampire has a cold? I love how now that you know that these are for six-year-olds that you're convinced Mm -hmm. that you can come up with the... I think I can figure it out. Um, (laughs) While you're thinking of it, I flipped Uh it over to read the answer, and the answer is they live in schools. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. But then I realized that because they're for a six-year-old, they're very sticky now and too stuck together. Oh, no. Well, the the question to that one is, why do fish, why are fish always miserable? (laughs) Because they live in schools. It's why are fish so smart? My God. Yeah, there we go. go. (laughs) That was a lot about my school experience. (laughs) How can you tell a vampire has a cold? I don't know. He starts coughing. Oh, Ugh. Ugh, I don't like that one. Oh, here's another one that stuck together. What did one plate say to the other plate? They have the most points. 
This is a great game. <laughs> that was like really, that's like the the jokes that aren't jokes, the anti jokes. It, it actually sounds like a joke a six year old would actually come up with. Like yeah, pretend, yeah. Ha ha, lions. There we go. <laughs> right. Did I tell you the potato in the oven joke? Yes, but I don't remember it. That one. Two potatoes in the oven. One of them says, "My goodness, it's hot in here." The other potato says, "Ah, talking potato." <laughs> I have a quick update. Oh. So last week in the outtakes, your um, masseuse person um, said your body is in great oh. shape for the shape that you're in. <laughs> you guys loved that, understandably, because it's insane. Cameron, the man powers, coming in clutch with another update slash correction. I didn't know this. This is a genuine Dr. Seuss quote. Okay. This is from a Dr. Seuss book. I have that confirmed. Um I can't remember which book it's from, but it is a Dr. Seuss quote. How does that make you feel? How does that change the delivery, the impact? Like, this isn't now something that he made up on the spot or something that he just says to people. He's pulled it from a Dr. Seuss book. I don't know if that makes you feel better or not. That's assuming that he knows where it's from. Like He could, have, he could oh, still no, be regurgitating right. something and not know where it's from, you know? I yeah, quote, you're right. I quote things and don't know where they originated, you know, so semi-regularly. So is apparently called You're Only Old Once. Well, I mean, that then indicates that he's looking at me going, God, you're old. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I think that makes Cons- it worse. Considering all the cellulite that- <laughs> and, uh, you know, th- th- again, he saw me, if he remembers, when I was my most fit, when I was doing martial arts six days a week. So... I mean, I was yeah. I was a hundred and twenty pound powerhouse at that point in time, and my now I am a squishy mama, and I am fine with my goddess shape. Um, it's been a journey, and what I loved about it is that when he said that, I didn't have some sort of internal spiral like, "Well, what's wrong yeah, with me?" My exactly. initial reaction is like, "What the fuck does that mean?" Fuck, <laughs> like, I've given terrible advice before. I've said very questionable things with mm. the best intentions before. So I'm assuming he had the same thing kind of going on. Is it okay that it's from Dr. Seuss? I don't. I mean, out of context, <laughs> it still has the same reaction. Like, Yeah. Um, I did stumble upon another quote that gave me the same kind of feeling. Um, here we go. So here's the quote. There are the hands that made us. Then there are the hands that guide the hands. Is this like about generational things? Well, this is said to somebody that is questioning like the meaning of their existence. They're like, I don't mean anything. I was a mistake. And the comforting words are, there are the hands that made us and the hands that guide the hands. And so, after some... Yeah, what do you think it means? I mean, it's interesting because it's asking you to go like one loop backwards. Exactly. So let's let's if we're talking about creating something with your hands, there's the hands that made the the pot of clay that that formed the clay that you're now purchasing. There's those hands, but then there's also the hands that dug the clay out of the earth to give it to the potter. So it's like correct. There's always another sort of ring to think about. And then about. there's the parent that made the potter and the parent that made that parent. So th- yeah, the idea is that everything was made by something. So don't worry about it. My problem is... That doesn't mean anything at all. <laughs> thank you. That doesn't mean shit. It's the intent with which I was made that the, 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 the character is having a crisis about. It's like, 
Yeah, thanks. They had a dad as well. That doesn't help me. It's time to record the show.